You are Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Mates from DNVR, where you could subscribe for $5 a month, get access to all of the premium content, including the list. Sec two editions of the list have already gone out up on the dnvr.com. If you are not familiar, that is my film study deep dive. It is the thing I am most known for, most proud of, and by far the best, in my opinion, the best deep dive on the Denver Nuggets you're going to find video. There were 16 clips on today's edition of the list. You can go ahead and check that out on the dnvr.com. Some of the things I'm going to talk about on today's show, I'm going to be explaining to you but they are actually in, broken down in video form up on the dnvr.com, so you're going to want to check that out. Um, I, I really encourage you. If you guys have enjoyed me and my analysis on this show, you're going to really enjoy the coverage that we do down there at, at the dnvr.com. I appreciate you making this also your first listen of the day. As always, we can try to get these out to you well before you wake up in the morning here in Colorado and provide you something to listen to either right at the beginning of work or on your way in or in the shower or whatever you have. We make a big emphasis to do that for you on today's show. I'm flying solo today. Matt Moore has the day off. He's going to fly solo tomorrow. But in the first segment, I'm going to share notes on the game. I didn't get to share with you guys what I thought about the game, especially after going through and watching it a second time, as I always do. Um, In segment two, I'm going to talk about the five biggest storylines. So if you want a crash course in the Denver Nuggets, this is your episode. Segment two is going to be the five biggest storylines for the Denver Nuggets so far this season through one week, at least in, in my opinion. And then in the final segment, I want to look ahead to Dallas and talk about some of the things that I'll be looking for in that Dallas game. But first, let's get into a couple brief notes here uh, on the game. You know, the, my first note that I have on here is just that I thought Gordon, uh, Aaron Gordon looked phenomenal. Not just good, but phenomenal in, in this game, especially in the first two and a half quarters, three quarters. Towards the end, I think he got a little bit tired, started settling. It was the second night of a back-to-back. He put a lot into this game defensively and offensively, and I think he kind of ran out of steam. But... I think Nuggets fans should be very encouraged by what they saw from Aaron Gordon. One of his better games as a Denver Nugget on both ends of the court. You know, obviously offensively, what was nice is he did not settle for his three-pointers until the fourth quarter. He settled for, I think, three three three-pointers in his final stint or his final two stints. Um, But for for most of this game, he was finding himself open but not settling, attacking, using his size, using his strength, using his quickness and athleticism. And I just, I really liked it. For one, it it spelled Jokic. Some of the plays that Denver ran through him were running through him in isolation or running through him in the post. And it allowed Jokic to kind of get a breather. And I think that's big. You know, Will Barton can create offense Monte Morris can create offense that's basically it right now I think adding Aaron Gordon as another guy that can kind of create offense allows him Jokic to kind of not feel like he's at the center of every single possession which I think is huge and then defensively he was great on Boyan Bogdanovich Bogdanovich did not shoot very well the shots he did make I think one of them was on Gordon uh the rest of the shots that he you know a lot of the shots that he missed were just on great Gordon defensive possessions either great closeouts great containment on the perimeter great one-on-one defense in isolation uh he just made things really Really hard for him. We're going to talk a little bit later, but Aaron Gordon has really you you as you watch Aaron Gordon and know what an elite wing defender he is. You're really reminded of how much this is a guard heavy league because there's so many nights where I think, okay, you got Gordon. Who's he's guarding? And he's guarding you know a, a nobody. He's guarding some like fifth option on offense. And you think, oh man, this is a guard night. Um, but 
tonight was a night where Boyan Bogdanovich really can get things going. He's a real weapon for them, a real X factor. And Gordon, I thought, sort of stamped out that he won that X factor battle between Boyan and and himself. And that's just huge. It's just really huge for Denver. My second note on here, and I'm going to talk more about this in the second segment, but Jokic is he's truly unguardable uh, offensively. Will Barton said this over a year and a half ago about him. He has no flaws on offense. And I really think this is true. We are seeing, we are witnessing peak Jokic. And I don't know if this is the best he can be. I don't know if there's another level. Like he keeps surprising me. Uh, But I think he is meaningfully better than he was last year when he won the MVP award. He's more assertive, more aggressive, more dominant, more confident. He looks through defenders. He just doesn't see him. He doesn't feel him. He just does his thing. Um, And Rudy Gobert in this one um, just had – Rudy Gobert might as well have been the worst defender in the NBA, not the defensive player of the year in in how Jokic was able to dominate this one uh, when he was on the court before going down. 15 minutes he played, 24 points, the leading score in a game. He only – he didn't even finish the first half. If he would have finished the first half, I think there's – a better chance than not that he would have had at least another bucket. I think there was two and a half, three minutes left in the game. He had 24 points. He was absolutely just asserting his dominance in this game and attacking every chance. And I think 24 points, I wouldn't have been surprised if he had 28, 30 points heading into halftime. That's how much he was in his bag in this game, and that's how much it was clearly an emphasis for him to just attack. And he was so unbothered in this game. I just Four games now. Jokic has looked pretty, pretty great in all of them for at least stretches of it, if not for all of them. And just I, I can't say enough about how unguardable he is. One of the things that makes him unguardable, and I highlighted this one on the list, um, is that he is really good now at attacking closeouts. He's really good at knocking down the three pointer. Um, and, and you know, in this game, he he shot the ball with confidence, stepped up to the plate, shot the ball with confidence. But he's really good also at um, attacking guys. So if you close out, now that you're a little bit extra worried about the three-point shot, now he's got that quick first step and he beats you off the dribble and he gets to the uh, to the cup. And um, he's just been so great at that uh, over the last two years, but it gets better. This year, he, it felt like he went up another level. I thought Michael Porter Jr. gave great effort on defense in this one relative to what we've seen from him. He still had a couple really bad mistakes. I thought Denver, as a, as a unit, made a lot of mistakes in this game defensively. Jokic, I thought, was not – this was maybe Jokic's worst defensive game, probably best offensive game, and maybe there's a correlation there that he was more focused on the offensive end of the court tonight. Maybe it's just that Utah was is a really good team and it's difficult to, to guard them, especially in spread pick and roll. Um, but Michael Porter, I thought, gave effort at least. And that's important to me because, look, Michael Porter Jr. is going through hell right now in this season. He has not been good. Um, he's having to go through all of this stuff again, the like going through the fire. And he's gone through this last year, and we all talked about it as like, hey, this is expected. He has to kind of have – he has to um, – be knocked down before he can rise tougher and stronger. And I think everybody's hope, myself included, maybe even especially, was that this was the year he wouldn't have to do that. Maybe that's naive thinking. I think there's something to say that, you know, all NBA players, LeBron James in his 19th season still has to go through adversity as the Lakers are right now. And part of what separates the greats from the not greats is that they find ways to go through that adversity and come out stronger the other side. Michael Porter right now is playing worse than I think anybody really expected him to in any four-game stretch. And he is looking bad in many of the ways that he has looked bad um, in the past, you know, 
not touching the ball, not finding his spots on offense, kind of floating at times, um, making mistakes, just not fitting in. Really, it's what it comes down to. It just doesn't look like he fits in, doesn't know where his shots are, and sometimes it even feels like the team's not going away from him, although if you've listened to me long enough, you know I don't think that's the case. There's plenty of opportunity for him. He just doesn't always recognize or have the talents to unlock the greater talents that he has. So I think I think most of this is at least on Michael Porter himself. But he's going through hell, and at least he is giving strong effort on defense and rebounding. He grabbed nine rebounds. That's big. Um, and and I, I honestly tip my hat to him because when players are going through hell, there's a tendency to kind of shut down and get worse at the margins. And I think he's at least putting the effort out there, and, and that's like a, a silver lining, I guess, to what he's going through right now. Um, the bench is hopeless. I don't know that there's a point to keep doing this. Um, Michael Malone obviously has given this four games. I understand why he's done it. I think now is a great time to mix that up. First of all, however you want to mix that, that up, uh, you know, I just don't think you can go to that five-man bench unit for extended periods of time. And the Denver, by the way, hasn't been giving it extended periods of time. But I think that Denver is really being bitten the the behind right now by not having a great rim roller. You know, obviously Utah staggered their lineup so that Gobert was playing as much against Denver's second unit as he was against Denver's first unit. And Gobert is seven foot one, really long, great rim roller, great rebounder. To ask Jeff Green to have to go up against him, that's just I think that's unfair defensively. And then offensively, they just have the pick and pop. When you have that five man unit, the best scenario you are hoping for is a Jeff Green or Jamichael Green pick and pop, and that's just not a very great play like you can't if you're going to play five minutes and that's the best thing you can get then you're probably going to give up big runs which is what has happened with this Nuggets team in all four games when that lineup has played um, I can't imagine Malone I know Malone loves to give guys time give him opportunity I think this is one of those this game was sort of the last one where you say it's so bad and also just sort of so hopeless logistically like if you think about it like what does that lineup succeed succeeding look like I think it's good defense, but offensively, I don't know. I can't imagine them having three good games in a row on offense. I just can't picture it. I don't. I can't picture two good games in a row, to be honest with you, unless they get extremely lucky. So if you have a team that it's almost unfathomable to expect them to be good three games in a row on offense, you're pretty much conceding that you're going to be bad with that second unit. I think it's time to mix it up. We'll talk about that in the second unit. Uh, a two, one more takeaway, and that is that elbow get play is what I've been calling. It's really a 5-4 inverted pick and roll with uh, uh, Aaron Gordon where he sets the screen usually at the foul line for Jokic, and Jokic throws the lob you know, coming around. That play is unguardable. It's worth now for last season and this season Denver's run it about one one time a game and I just it's great Denver has a lot of unstoppable actions right now especially with Jamal Murray when Jamal Murray comes back you've got all kind of the inverted pick and roll with Jokic uh you got the C corner which I've broken down on the list many times if you're a DNVR member you know that play very well and recognize it when you run that play with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter, it's an unguardable action, and obviously with Jokic, unguardable action. And now you have this this uh, elbow get play, which is the 5-4 pick and roll with Gordon and Yoke, and it's unguardable. This bodes well for a playoffs. In the playoffs, you want to have plays that it's like, hey, this is our bread and butter. It's the fourth quarter. We know we can do this. Oh, and then, by the way, you also just have straight pick and roll with Murray and Jokic, which is also unguardable. So I think Denver has now a lot of different ways that they can be even the best defenses. And I think that should Murray come back healthy, you should be confident that they have some things that are going to just really give teams fits. Um, but, of course, there's some things along the margins before you get there that that can create a, you know some challenges for them. 
This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. There's an ever-increasing number of makes and models. It's impossible for you, uh, for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure pointless and intimidating questioning from the guy behind the counter when you can just go right on your tablet, your phone, uh, your computer, whatever it is you have available to you with an internet connection and access rockauto.com. Save time and money when using rockauto.com. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Instead, you can just go to rockauto.com and you can find all the parts you need no matter how obscure it is and they'll have the best deal knowing you're getting the absolute best value. Uh, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us section so they know uh, that we sent you. They've got amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Also, want to tell you about BetOnline.ag. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile uh, website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus from ba uh, basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL. Boxing UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Back here on the Locked On Nuggets podcast, I'm Adam Mott, flying solo. We once again want to thank you for making you this podcast, Locked On Nuggets, your first listen of the day. Segment two, I want to talk about the five biggest storylines from the season right now. So this is a great sort of segment. If you uh, maybe have missed the first four games or you're just wanting to check in what's going on with the Nuggets right now, give me a crash course. Give me the cliff notes. Five bullet points, biggest storylines of the season. Number one, I mentioned this in the first, the first segment. The bench unit absolutely does not fit as a five-man unit. And I think there's a chain reaction on the decision-making that's happened here. And I think this is an interesting, if I were a part of the Nuggets organization, this is a thing that at least from the outside, it appears to be the case. But I wonder if there is a process thing you, that could be learned from how Denver arrived at this point. If you remember last year, the Nuggets had Isaiah Hartenstein, an unproven, but in my opinion, high upside backup center. I think he's a guy that um, probably is going to stick with the Clippers this year and be a very impact backup center. I don't think I don't think he's a superstar. I want to make this clear. I don't think Isaiah Hartenstein is like a star in the making or anything like that. I think he is a guy that can he rolls to the rim very well. He's pretty athletic. He's very long. He sets incredibly good screens and he plays with a great motor. And he actually has some surprisingly good passing. He's probably if you talked about all of the centers who play minutes in the NBA right now, he's probably a top ten passer. Probably a top ten passer. Um, you know, he's not Jokic, of course. He's not like one of a you know you know like a phenom or anything like that. But he's certainly capable of running dribble handoffs and operating out of the top of the key. But you know, when Denver started the season last year one and four, I think Hartenstein became Malone's axe. You know, Malone doesn't like to play young players. He's a a coach that understands that playing through. Like, oh, I'm going to give this guy an opportunity, this guy an opportunity. Next thing you know, you get halfway through a season and you know maybe your head's on the chopping block because the team is five games below where they were expected to be. But, oh, we're on the upswing. Well, it doesn't matter. It's too late because you lost some games early and now you're getting pressure and one injury can, can cost you your job now. So coaches don't like that. I don't know what the decision-making was, but Isaiah Hartenstein just couldn't get off the bench except for garbage time. And the Nuggets started running with um, smaller lineups. Tim Conley comes in. He trades Isaiah Hartenstein to Cleveland. He gets JaVale McGee. He's like, okay, now we have a veteran 
championship caliber backup center. JaVale McGee now had, had a couple championships, the Warriors and the Lakers. He's been through it. He, he's reliable. I know it's funny to say about JaVale because everybody thinks about his first stint. Um, well, then you get him and you give up assets to get him. You give up draft picks to be able to bring in JaVale McGee. And once again, Michael Malone doesn't play him. So, of course, Tim Conley goes into this offseason and says, okay, well, I give you a young pro- prospect you don't, and the guy doesn't play. I give you a veteran the guy doesn't play. Why do we need to waste an asset on a backup center? Let's not do that. Let's just run with your Michael Green and Jeff Green. Well, I think we're seeing, especially if Jokic misses any kind of time with that injury. You know, Matt Moore covered that, obviously, yesterday. It, the, the report today was that it was just a bone bruise. I don't don't think he will um you know if he misses any time it would just be one or two games it sounds like I, I would we'll probably get an update we probably won't get an update till Friday whether or not he's going to play in Friday's game against the Dallas Mavericks but my guess is if he does not it's more about the Nuggets just not feeling the need to press right now and like hey let's let him get 100% we don't want him out there on a even if he's like if it, even if there's no risk and damage for the knee that was injured, if it just makes him walk with a limp or run with a limp, we don't want him to like pull a hamstring or do this or that. So maybe then maybe he doesn't play on Friday. But no matter what, the Nuggets need a backup center, and I think that backup lineup. When you look at, they don't have a dr- anybody that can dribble, penetrate, and finish at the rim. Faku can get in there. Uh, PJ Dozier can get in there, but those guys can't finish at the rim. And there's such a non-threat in there, especially Faku, that defenses don't necessarily have to collapse when he gets to the paint. Defenses are kind of hanging out and either challenging him from behind on the with the the guard, the on-ball guard who's chasing, or that just the big waits to the last minute and still cleans up the glass. Uh, Faku is not a threat at the rim. P.J. Dozier is not a great finisher at the rim and has not been for his career. I thought he would be a lot better at this and through his first four games, um, but he's kind of some... He looks off to me. Like he, he looked way more springy in the preseason. I thought he looked great in this preseason. He's looked a little bit weird uh, early on, and so I'm kind of curious what's going on, if there's anything physical, or maybe it's just that you know he doesn't look great in that lineup also. And then Austin Rivers has just had an atrocious start. I Austin Rivers can get to the paint and finish, although he has been blocked at the rim and in the, in the paint quite a bit uh, this season. But he's not a playmaker. He's not a guy that, like, you're trying to get him in the paint and seeing what opens up and there's driving kicks, this or that. Like, it's just not him. So you have a backcourt. None of those guys that can put pressure on the rim. Well, what about your bigs? Neither Jamichael Green nor Jeff Green can put rep pressure on the rim as a rolling threat. Yes, Jeff Green every now and then catches a body, but he is not collapsing the defense and creating panic the way a Clint Capella, uh, 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 Rudy Gobert, or any of these like seven foot roll guys. They don't. They don't have that. So basically, what you do is you don't put pressure on the paint. You don't put pressure on the offensive boards. All you do is run pick and pop. That lineup does not work. And I, to me, I would be shocked if Michael Malone continues to go with it. I honestly would. I know that sounds crazy because Michael Malone has stuck with things for a long time. I think this example of it is actually the most extreme example of a lineup not working that I would be shocked if even Malone stuck with it for, for any more games. Um, to fix it, I think that, you know, first of all, I do think Bones Highland probably is good enough to be inserted in. He's going to make some mistakes. We know Malone doesn't love that. But I actually think unlike with like a Hartenstein or even a Michael Porter years back, I think that Bones Highland might actually be a net positive right out of the package. For one, great shooter. He's actually very like mature 
he has a more mature game than most rookies. And most important of all, he does two things that Denver desperately needs in their second unit, and that is shoot the ball and get into the paint as a threat to score. He's a very crafty finisher, and I just think that that's probably happening. That alone is not going to save the unit, though. I, fa- I think actually if you just swapped out, say, Austin Rivers and Bones Highland, I think that room, uh, lineup would still be getting killed most nights. I think it's clear at this point, though, that if you add a Will Barton and occasionally a Michael Porter to that lineup, and now you just play, uh, you know, you stagger a lot more, so you're not really ever going to full five-man units. I think that is the way that you save every that you save that second unit. You make it actually a pretty good second unit, probably an average second unit. And I don't think you take away from the starters. Jokic is that good that if you played PJ Dozier and Faku Campazo a little bit more with MPJ and Jokic, I don't think it's going to really diminish much. I think you're going to be okay there. So that, to me, Denver struggles with a five-man unit. Malone knows it. He talked about it post-game. I've got to figure out this bench unit. I think he knows that this isn't a let's give it 10 games and find out. I think that the experiment's over, and we are due for a shakeup on Friday night, whether Michael uh, uh, Nikola Jokic plays or not. Storyline number two, Michael Porter Jr. has been atrocious. He has been atrocious to start this season. Let's not mince words. If I was giving out a grade for him, I would probably give him a D. I can't give him an F because the effort has been there. So I, an F would be like attitude and, and talent and all of this stuff. I, I think the I think the effort's been there. Look, Michael Porter wants to be good. Michael Porter doesn't want this. He is currently the fourth leading scorer on the Nuggets roster. Jokic averaging twenty seven. Will Barton's averaging sixteen and a half. Aaron Gordon's averaging thirteen. Michael Porter Jr. is averaging eleven and a half points, less than a point more than Monte Morris. Michael Porter Jr. right now he's shooting four. I'm sorry, he's shooting thirty four and a half percent from the field. One of the most efficient scorers we've ever seen, at least last year, like, you know, volume shooters last year, is now all of a sudden scoring 11.5 points on 13 shots, less than one point per field goal attempt. It is wild to watch Michael Porter struggle. And one of the storylines in this last game is Jokic goes down. I know a lot of people say, well, Jokic doesn't involve him in the offense enough. Jokic goes down, and it's clear from watching him that he just doesn't, there's still some barriers to unlocking the skill set that he has that. All those jumpers he has, they're great when they go in, and they're actually really great. Like Denver, it, they love when he gets open jumpers, but he has a hard time getting open jumpers because of some of the weaknesses he has and an inability to create space off of not like complex moves, but just catching a handoff, using your body positioning to get into your shooting motion. He just lacks some of this stuff right now. And I think it's actually snowballed. Here's the thing. Michael Porter is better than what he's shown by a lot. But he is, I think, it's snowballing to where he's feeling the pressure. He knows that guys like Jokic and Michael Malone are, you know, that he's not carrying his weight right now. He knows that those guys are extra frustrated. And maybe, to be honest, being too hard on you. And this is the NBA. It's the big boy league. Like, Michael Porter is struggling right now. And I think some of this is like, hey, you just have to deal with it. Like, this is the NBA. It's stressful. It's just, you're you're not going to really ever get to the point where you're like, you know what? Basketball season's never stressful. Like the 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 seventy three win Warriors teams like that come around every twenty years, and that's one team. Most teams go through stretches throughout a season where it's just like it feels like the sky is falling. The sky is falling for Michael Porter right now. He's better than this, but one thing you have to know is that he has been terrible to start the season. Um, point guard play is below expectation. This is number three for me. Um, Monte Morris is starting to come around. I thought he had a very good game this last one. Um, starting to knock down shots, look a little bit more comfortable. So starting maybe on an upswing with Monte specifically, but if you just look at the four games here, Faku, PJ Dozier, Monte Morris, all of those guys have been a little bit worse than I expected them to be at this season at this point. And I think that the point guard spot being the most important spot 
in basketball. Yes, Jokic is a point center, but I still think having a point guard uh, is is important. And Denver just hasn't really gotten great play out of any of those guys. In fact, I don't think they've really gotten good play consistently out of any of them. Although, like I said, Monte starting on an upswing. So that's another storyline. And I think when you look at MPJ's struggle, I, st- I do wonder if part of it is like, look, as good as Jokic is, Michael Porter is not good at, for whatever reason, running pick and roll with him, getting DHOs off of him. He's not reading the court and some of the cutting angles properly at the moment. So may- having an actual point guard probably makes it easier for a guy like Michael Porter to get two or three of those comfort shots that maybe make the two or three of the other shots that he's taking right now a little bit more confident and comfortable. So below average point guard point guard play and below expectation point guard play is hurting. Um, two positive ones. Will Barton looks absolutely rejuvenated. I don't know if people realize this. Will Barton threw four games, 16.3 points. That is a career high so far. It's early. Um, he's grabbing 4.8 rebounds, dishing out 3.8 assists. 3.8 is the second most he's averaged in his career. Back in 2018, he averaged 4.1. Um, and then his shooting splits, effective field goal percentage. He's at almost 60%. That's a center percentage. That's like... You know, that's like Jokic territory up there. 59%. His career average is 49%. He's about almost exactly 10% above his career average, including his Nuggets average. He's 9% up. Uh, he's shooting 42% from the three. And here's the great part. From two, he's shooting 57.6% from two. That Those numbers are phenomenal. Now, it's only four games. I don't expect he's going to hang around this much. No Players rarely in their 11th or 12th season, in their 11th season, Rarely do they, um, you know, see that type of an outlier performance. So I imagine some regression is coming. But I think that Will Barton has been such an efficient shot taker right now. It's funny to me that people I still see some complaints about him and like his shot selection. Like, look, he is shooting it better than everybody on the team minus Michael Porter. So what do you want? <laughs> like, what do you what do you are better than Jokic? Jokic is shooting at a historic pace. We're gonna get to him next. Uh, I think Will Barton, the rejuvenation of him is real. He looks absolutely fantastic. And I think when you do think about this team as fully healthy, Will Barton is your fourth or fifth option on offense. If Will Barton might be the best fourth option uh, a starting lineup has in all of the NBA, that's a hell of a fourth option, especially a guy shooting, like I said, 42% from the, uh, from the three-point line and 57.5% from, from two. That's just a remarkable percentage. If you can get that kind. And then we saw in this game in the third quarter when Jokic goes down, uh, Will Barton gets 16 points. How many guys, how many teams have a second unit that can get you 16 points in a single quarter? Um, but Will Barton really, really off to a great start. And Nuggets fans should be excited that they are getting the best version of Will Barton they've ever had. Uh, and then lastly, storyline I alluded to this earlier, Nikola Jokic, assuming this injury that he's sustained in this last game is, is you know not going to tank or derail his season, Jokic looks meaningfully better than he did last year. Meaningfully better. He is shooting an effective field goal percentage of 73%. His career average is 57%. Think about that. He's 16% higher than his career average. And Jokic has been one of the most efficient scorers throughout his six years here. In his seventh year, he somehow raised the bar by a significant margin. Again, those numbers will probably regress. He's shooting 47% from three. That's probably going to come down a little bit. But the confidence he has, the aggression he has, and by the way, that's in 29 and a half minutes because he only played 15 minutes this last game. So he's averaging 27 points per game, which is more than last year's 26.4. He's averaging 27, but that's because he only played 15 minutes in one of the He's basically played three and a half 
games, but we have to count it, weigh it for four. If you go to the per 36, which averages this out a little bit, he's averaging 32.6 points per game. Think about that. Those are Michael Jordan numbers, 32.6 so far through four games. Again, I think some of this will come down, but Jokic has been unbelievable through this opening stretch. Uh, He has a box plus minus right now of 14.6. I'm pretty sure that would be the greatest of all time if it's somehow sustained. Um, He is just, uh, it it can't be overstated how good he has been through these four games. Single-handedly won the uh, San Antonio game. In this one, I think he was going to single-handedly win it again. Like That's how good he was going at the defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert, and just absolutely making him look like a guy that needs to be played off of the floor. Uh, It's unbelievable. Hopefully this little knee bump is nothing more than that. I've had a lot of like knee to knee contacts. They hurt like hell. Um, sometimes they bruise and they can kind of like stymie you for a few days, but you know, they go away like any bruise. It, it hurts for a while and then it goes away. And my hope is that Jokic will be able to play on Friday. I know Denver doesn't want to like rush it or anything, but you know, in my experience, and I know Jokic is more important and they're going to play it even slower, but in my experience, it's not, you know, there's still a chance that he plays on Friday. And I think an even greater chance that in a week's time, this is all, 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 a thing of the past. So those are my five biggest storylines. Two of them very positive, three of them not so much, um, but it's early. There's time for these things to change. And I think if I look at the Jokic and Barton ports, MPJ has to come around. I mean, if he doesn't, you know, obviously that that's every, that, that means a lot, but uh, you have Barton playing the best basketball of his career. You have Jokic playing the best basketball of his career. Gordon, this last game looked great and, and we know how well he fits in. Michael Porter, even when he's struggling, the numbers, the on-off like plus-minus stuff is still great and we know he can be a lot better than this. Um, you should be very encouraged for what the Nuggets' ceiling is this year. Do you guys smell that? It's chicken parmesan, my favorite. There's <laughs> something for everybody when you use you use Postmates. I've become a Postmates guy lately because I'm out here. I'm working like crazy hours right now. You know, DNVR's taken off, Lockdown Nuggets taken off. I'm just working nonstop. So I've gotten into the Postmates habit where I'm just like, hey, let's order lunch today. Me and my wife both work from home. Let's just order lunch. Let's order dinner. Let's save the 20 minutes it takes to go there, uh, to go to wherever, to get whatever. No, just use Postmates because they're the best where they'll just deliver all of your favorite foods from your local restaurants or whatever it is, your, your local diner, neighborhood diner, whatever it is. No leaving the house. Even better, no getting in the car or finding a parking spot. Postmates will take care of all of that for you. And for a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners a little something. New customers will get 50% off your first five orders of $50 or more when you use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's code LOCKEDONNBA to get 50% off your first five orders of $50 or more. Max savings of $100 per order. Just download the Postmates app or sign up online. It's super easy. Offer is subject to change and taxes and fees apply. Offer valid for 30 days after you add the promo code to your account. But I'm telling you, you guys will definitely use it more uh, within those 30 days because Postmates is absolutely great. Also, another great product I want to tell you about is Sweat Block. You guys know I'm a big guy. I'm an athletic guy. I'm always doing stuff. I'm meeting people. I'm, I'm, I'm at the bar. Sometimes it can get a little hot and sweaty, but thankfully I've got Sweat Block, which is the best deodorant I've and antiperspirant I have ever used. They say it'll keep you dry for seven days. I've never tested that. I'm a type of person who likes to shower every single day, but you know what? Somebody test it for me. You know, seven days without showering. You tell me if it continues to work. I know it works for the, the duration of time that I need it. Um, it's great right now. Uh, 
it's doctor created, doctor recommended. It's got a dry sh shirt guarantee. So if it doesn't work to keep you dry, you get your money back. Um, and it's not just for the armpits. They've also got these wipes and things for back, feet, hands, whatever, chest. You can use it anywhere uh, and it'll stop the sweat. Go to sweatblock.com, use promo code locked on, or you can get it on Amazon delivered right to your door or CVS. Get 20% off at sweatblock.com when you use promo code locked on. <laughs> Final segment here on Locked On Nuggets. Thank you for making this your first listen of the day. To make your second listen of the day, the Locked On Fantasy Podcast with Josh Lloyd. This is one of the biggest sports podcasts. I don't know if people realize this. Josh Lloyd and the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, one of the largest sports podcasts in the world. Honestly, one of the I think it's the number one in this network um, by a pretty decent margin. So if you're a fantasy basketball guy, you know that you can go to the best fantasy basketball show, and that's the Locked On Fantasy Show with, with Josh Lloyd. Final segment here, just want to quickly preview Dallas. When the Nuggets signed Aaron Gordon, they signed Aaron Gordon with the with a couple players in mind. Number one, the guy that I heard from Tim Conley and all the other people in the front office about, hey, tell me about him. They said, I think he guards Luka Doncic better than anyone. Now, look, this game might be weird. I don't know if Jokic is going to play. I don't know if not. So it's a little bit of a tough sample to get. And Luka's a phenomenal player. I mean, he's a, one of the, I would say, 10 best players in the NBA, easily one of the 10 best players and climbing. Aaron Gordon, though, I am so curious to see what he looks like guarding Luka in this game and to see if he can make a huge impact. If Jokic plays, then I think it's going to be easier to sort of judge this. But either way, I just want to see him on Luka. We haven't seen him guard a lot of scoring wings, big wings. One of the things about Aaron Gordon, he's so strong. Luka's so strong. But when you can match strength with strength, um, you know, that's one thing Aaron Gordon has for him. So to me, I'm looking at this matchup and thinking, all right, Aaron Gordon, this is this is your time to shine. This is the biggest stage, sort of, so to speak, that you get to kind of highlight that you can be a wing lockdown wing defender for the elite wings out there. The LeBron Jameses, the uh, Kevin Durant's and the uh, Luka Doncic's of the world. Number two, will Jokic play? I mean, this is obviously a big thing. I'm, I'm curious. Um, Look, I want Jokic to play because I love watching Jokic play. It's my favorite thing in sports. I'm guessing for most of you people listening too, it's your favorite thing. I don't want him to play if he's not healthy. I don't want him to play on a limp or, or this or that. Um, but my hope is that he is healthy enough to give it a go and the Nuggets can get on track. They had a two-game winning streak. Now they're on a two-game losing streak. You never like that. You have a back-to-back -back on Saturday. You have to go to Minnesota. So whoever made the schedule, I'm telling you, hates Denver, but they have two... They have to play Friday, then fly to Minnesota to play to play Saturday. That's tough. Um, you don't want a four-game losing streak to start out the season. Uh, so get a nice bounce back here at home. A nice Friday crowd should be pop. Ball Arena should be absolutely popping. Um, you know, I, I hope Jokic is able to give it a go. I'm curious Michael Porter Jr.'s approach. You know, I'm obviously curious to see if he could be effective. I mean, it would be nice if we saw a 20-point performance from from Michael Porter. It's You almost lose confidence in it happening with every game that goes by that he looks to struggle. But I'm curious his approach. Does he have confidence? Does he have poise? Does he Was he able to take a breather? Um, does he seem like he's upset at teammates? Does he seem like he's upset about play calls? We've seen him come out of games and look at Malone and say, why did I come out uh, this season? He's been frustrated. I'm curious what his approach is. Does he go try to grab 15 rebounds? Um, does he, you know, is he cutting harder? Is he screening harder? I mentioned this is one of my takeaways I did on the list. Michael Porter's the worst screener on the team. And oftentimes the guy who sets the screen is the guy who benefits from that screen because it creates a sense of urgency on uh, defenders to cover for you and then you release. Michael Porter can just do all of this stuff a lot better. And I'm curious to see what his approach is or if we get a little bit of moping. It's Friday night. The crowd's going to be behind him. 
If he gets going early, um, you know, nothing would be sweeter than a Michael Porter breakout game to help Denver, lead Denver to a win. And then lastly, the rotation. I'm just curious to see is what does Malone do? I, like I said, I think he's going to change it up. Does that mean shortening the rotation? Does that mean adding bones to the mix? Does that mean more staggered lineups? If Jokic does play, my preference would be to bring Faku and uh, P.J. Dozier in early. I would probably also bring in Bones Highland, and I would move Michael Porter to power forward and, and play a staggered lineup. That way, when you do bring a bench in, uh, you bring Will Barton back uh, and and Monte Morris back, and then you could play with those guys and the bench unit. Um, so I think there's things Denver can do to sort of never go to that full five-man lineup, and I don't think it would cost him too much. I'd love to see Bones Highland play on a Friday night. I think that would be fantastic as well, especially if he played well. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Those are my takeaways. Uh, those are the things I'll be looking for in Dallas. And uh, that's it for today's show, guys. Matt Moore is going to be back, I believe, tomorrow with a guest, um, and uh, he'll be flying solo tomorrow. And then we got games Friday and Saturday. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you have it on, if you have your phone open right now, do us all a huge favor. Open up your Apple Podcasts and uh, give us a five-star review. Uh, if you're enjoying the show, say something nice about Matt for me. And uh, <laughs> let him know that you guys appreciate his takes, his perspective. And uh, leave us a review, a rating and review. We always appreciate those. And, of course, they help us grow the show. We'll see everybody next time.